Hello and welcome back to the Flathead Beacon Podcast. I'm Andy Viano. This week, we'll continue our in-depth coverage of the 2020 general election with Tristan Scott, our assistant managing editor and lead political reporter, and we'll dig into the three biggest statewide races this season for governor, U.S. Senate, and the U.S. House. Tristan wrote about all three races in this week's Beacon, and you can read his coverage in the print edition, available now everywhere in Northwest Montana, or on our website at flatheadbeacon.com. And if you're hungry for more information on all the races and ballot measures to be decided this season, that's on our website too. Plus, you can listen to last week's episode of this podcast for a breakdown of eight contested state legislative races on the ballot this year in Northwest Montana. Before we get to more election talk, though, a brief pause to thank the members of the Flathead Beacon Editors Club for making this show and all of our reporting on the biggest stories in Northwest Montana possible. Editors Club members pay as little as $5 per month to show their support for the work we do, and they qualify for some fantastic perks, too. Learn more or sign up to join the club today at beaconeditorsclub.com. All right, let's get to it. Flathead County's all-male election is already underway. And if you have not filled out your ballot yet, there's no better time than the present to get educated on the biggest races. And there's no better way to do that than in a conversation with our Tristan Scott. It is officially voting season in Flathead County. Mail ballots went out around the county last week. And if you're listening from here in the county, hopefully those ballots have already arrived in your mailbox. And so we're continuing to roll out our election coverage. And I'm pleased to be joined this week by our assistant managing editor and chief political writer, Tristan Scott. Tristan, welcome back. Hey, Andy. Good to be here. So this week you got into the three biggest races, particularly on the statewide level, the race for the U.S. House of Representatives, the race for the U.S. Senate, uh, and also the race for the Montana governor, where Steve Bullock has termed out of office. And why don't we start there? What do you see in the race between an established politician and Mike Cooney and our, our current representative, Greg Gianforte? Well, you definitely uh, hit the nail on the head right there. I mean, we're really talking about the the statesman and the mogul, and they couldn't be any more different in terms of their backgrounds and their careers. And I think both of them appeal to a certain type of Montana voter in very different ways. You know, here we have Greg Gianforte, who who has become well known in political circles in recent years because, of course, he serves as the Montana's lone uh, representative in the U.S. House of Representatives and also has run for governor before. So we've we've you know, we've seen him now in a couple of different election cycles. He's really built a lot of name recognition and continues to hammer home this sort of um, bootstrap story about uh, building a, a major tech firm in Montana and then and selling it and incurring this massive amount of wealth. And then Mike Cooney, who is sort of the classic example of an establishment politician in Montana, albeit, you know, lower profile than I think we might consider some other um, Montana establishment lawmakers. But certainly he's been uh, he's you know, he's from Butte and he's been in 
public service his entire career since the late 1970s. But he's sort of been, you know, living a little bit as lieutenant governors do, living in the governor's uh, shadow. And so he's really tried to uh, tried to strike out and make a name for himself in recent months while also uh, maintaining those ties to Governor Bullock, who has been uh, pretty popular in his response to the handling of the pandemic, especially when it first surfaced in the spring. And so, you know, Cooney's trying to sort of, I think, draw out his per- his own personality and, and individual characteristics a little bit while also, you know, saying, hey, you know, I'm part of Team Bullock and uh, we've had a pretty, pretty good run these past eight years. So I don't know whether those messages are are hitting home with voters, but yeah, certainly very different candidates. Yeah, it seems like. And this is not new to 2020 in politics, but you can find, uh, you know, you've got the Republican candidates hitting on the Republican talking points and Republican issues and the same thing on the Democratic side. You can sort of check off where each one might stand on each particular issue. Are there places where these candidates, either one of them sort of buck that? Are there areas where where you can say Mike Cooney's not just a, you know, straight down the line all the Democratic things, Gianforte's, all the Republican things, pick which side you like better. Are there are there areas where where they may be a little unique? Well, sure. And um, and I think depending on the type of conservative Montana voter that you are, and we can we can circle back to that later because voters in Montana are very hard to pigeonhole. I think Gianforte could appeal to sort of the widest sect of Republican voters because he is both incredibly socially conservative, which which we know through our reporting, but also just he he's made that a part of his platform um, over the last half decade. And so that that's going to appeal to a, a certain type of voter. He is also very supportive of of rolling back government regulations, which certainly isn't unique to a, a Republican in a Western state, but um, he's really made that a priority. He talks about um, the, the ways in which he would reduce red tape in pretty much all uh, state government agencies, and especially as it applies to uh, state land management. He's talked about um, really wanting to dismantle the state land management agencies like the DNRC and Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, and get some more private interests involved in in those agencies. Um, so I think I think that could have a broad appeal across across the Republican platform that doesn't necessarily hit all the usual tones. And then you know Mike Cooney has I think struggled to do that a little bit. Um, we've seen some of his ads portraying him as uh as a regular guy you know playing the drum set and these kinds of things and he, yet he does say that if elected he wants to build on the momentum that he and governor bullock have created over these last eight years which i i don't think is a bad ploy there's a lot of montana democrats and independent voters who who agree with a lot of what's happening in government and also Mike Cooney has expressed an interest in trying to make agencies that that maybe are wasteful to a degree more efficient. Um, so I, 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 
I think he's trying to appeal to, to voters who might be suspicious of go, you know government overreach and and having too much too much of that red tape. There has been a Democrat in the governor's office for 16 years in Montana, uh, and particularly uh, during Steve Bullock's tenure, there's been a lot written about and talked about in the ability to work with. Uh, a Republican-controlled state legislature. I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's anticipated that, that it will once again be a Republican-controlled legislature when they meet in 2021. What happens, I guess, if, if either one of these candidates are elected? Do we expect things to remain the same as they were uh, under Bullock with Mike Cooney? And, and if it is the Republican Greg Gianforte, how do we anticipate he'll work with that uh, Republican-led legislature? Yeah, I mean that's what yeah, you know, I don't I don't pretend to have any any sort of predictive powers in any of these races that we're talking about, but one thing that I think we can say for sure is that there's going to be a Republican controlled state legislature when they convene in 2021. And so whether or not a Republican or a Democratic governor is in the executive chamber is going to be a huge factor. What we've seen in the last since 2005, having a Democrat in the governor's mansion and and a Republican controlled legislature is that that provides a sort of checks and balances on itself, which may be good or bad, depending on your your beliefs. But uh, certainly, you know, there's been we've seen Bullock in recent years veto bills that were that were crafted by Republicans with regard to social issues. We've also seen him pass major legislation through very narrow margins because because he he and the Republicans worked worked together to craft something that was palatable to both sides. So uh, that that has been effective. Now with a a Republican in control, I think you're going to see a lot less of that. You're going to see a unified body that is really going to be able to to crank out some some bills that they haven't been able to in past years. So that that's going to be that's going to be a, a big issue. Let's talk about uh, the other couple of statewide races quickly in the Senate race. We've been talking about Steve Bullock. It is one of the most expensive US Senate races in the country and and certainly the most expensive race we've seen in Montana. What stands out to you right now in the battle between Steve Bullock and Steve Daines? What stands out to me in both covering the the campaigns and also both candidates as they do their jobs as public officials is just how much they're campaigning on their record and and how much um, sort of what their what their jobs as the governor Steve Bullock and junior senator Steve Daines how much that plays into in, into their campaigns and. You know, with Bullock, you've seen him really tout his his work on public lands, and he continues to advocate for pub- maintaining public access to public lands. Recently, we saw him file a lawsuit against the acting director of the Bureau of Land Management, William Perry Penley, who Bullock argues um, has too many conflicts of interest to effectively oversee the nation's agency that oversees the uh, lion's share of its public lands. And he's also leaned on on his uh, handling of the pandemic as evidence that that he, he's really well equipped for 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 the for the job. Steve Daines, uh, you know, also has has really 
been elevated by the passage of the Great American Outdoors Act, which saw full and permanent funding of the Land, Water, and Conservation Fund, which uses offshore royalties from from oil and, and gas to build on conservation measures. Danes worked with a slate of bipartisan lawmakers to get that across President Trump's desk. And, you know, he's now using that as a sort of feather in his cap saying, hey, I'm, I'm a Republican. Look what I've been able to do past these some of the biggest landmark conservation measures in half a century in a uh, an otherwise pretty divisive time. So I think both of the the Steves are really capitalizing on their successes just in uh, recent months. Mentioned all the all the money in that race. It's because of the possible national implications of uh, the Senate seat. Uh, were it to flip from from red to blue, or I guess if it were to stay with uh, with the Republican Party and having a big impact on who controls the majority in the U.S. Senate, what impact has all of that had on the race? I guess other than just filling everybody's mailbox with uh, with mailers and and, uh, and their phones blown up with text messages, has all the influence, or has there been any influence of all this money, much of it coming from outside the state uh, on both sides of this race? I mean, it depends on how many. I I don't know if you are a voter who really cares about that, who really thinks about majority control and things like that, then it's going to probably have a huge impact. You don't even have to like uh, Steve Bullock in order to vote for him because you're just looking for for that, that blue shift, as they call it. But if you don't so much care about that and you really are just like a lot of Montana voters sort of going by by their gut, by what they've seen in either elected official and how they carry out their duties, then you might not be thinking so much about about whether or not it's going to swing left or right in in D.C. I will say that the the amount of money that's been spent on the campaign means that that money is coming from somewhere, and that uh, you know always makes Montana voters sort of scratch their head and ask. Where now? Steve Bullock's been been a huge advocate of dark money laws, wanting to be wanting transparency in how campaign money is spent. At the same time, he's spending vast sums of money on uh, radio, TV ads, as well as mailers. So, so I think some voters might might hear him saying one thing and then and and see a, something else in the way that he's campaigning. Lastly, let's hit on uh, the race for the uh, Lone House of Representatives seat, another familiar pair of names to uh, to those who follow Montana politics and Republican Matt Rosendale and Democrat Kathleen Williams. I guess same question here on uh, that I had on the Senate race. I mean, what sticks out when you look at these two? Well, so both of these candidates have uh, run for statewide office before and won, but also lost. Matt Rosendale is currently the um, insurance commissioner. He's also had a couple of failed races, both for the U.S. House of Representatives as well as uh, U.S. Senate. He lost in 2018 to John Tester, whereas Kathleen Williams, also a former state legislator from Bozeman, lost when she first ran for the U.S. House of Representatives to Greg Gianforte. And now a lot of people said that she that she ran a, a really smart campaign and that the name recognition that she that she built during that campaign, which I think she told me she crossed, she logged 41,000 miles on her 
uh, on her hybrid car, visiting some Montana communities, both conservative districts as well as more liberal districts, and really got her name out there and, and talked to voters about what's on their mind. She's made Medicaid expansion a huge part of her platform as well as public lands access. She, in her career, has worked as a water rights policy advocate and is very well versed in all things land and water management. So I think both candidates have are familiar to Montana voters and it'll certainly be interesting to see how what voter turnout suggests about about their likability. Tristan always really appreciate the insight. Thanks for uh, sharing it with us. Thanks Andy. Remember, you can read all of our election coverage in one handy spot. That's at flatheadbeacon.com. And you can pick up a print copy of this week's paper everywhere you find the Beacon's yellow boxes around northwest Montana. Now, here are the biggest stories from the last seven days as of 9 p.m. on Tuesday, October 13th. And this week, it's just one story, as Flathead County's still-intensifying COVID-19 outbreak made its way into the statewide political consciousness and set off a barrage of news last week that culminated with potential new restrictions on the table in Flathead County. It started when Governor Steve Bullock specifically called out the county for its inability to get a handle on the virus's spread or enforce his directives including one requiring masks be worn in public. The Flathead County commissioners fired back at the governor later in the week, passing off responsibility for management and enforcement of the outbreak to the county health department and county attorney, and they went on to support residents who choose to openly flaunt the governor's orders. In a statement, Commissioner Randy Brodell wrote, quote, whether you choose to mask up or make a different choice should belong to our citizens, not the governor. Finally, on Monday, Flathead's interim public health officer, Tamalee St. James Robinson, sidestepped the politically tinged discourse and released a plan to implement new restrictive measures next month if the flow of new cases in the county does not slow. The proposal will go before the Flathead City County Board of Health on Thursday, and if it is approved, the health department will wait until the week of October 26th through November 1st to analyze the number of cases that week. If more than 375 cases, or about 53 per day, are reported that week, the department could impose three new restrictions as early as November 4th. The measures would restrict social gatherings to no more than 25 people, limit capacity at bars, restaurants, and churches to 25%, and force establishments serving alcohol to close at 10 p.m. The measures would be in place for at least a month. This all comes as Flathead County's caseload keeps getting larger and larger, a trend that's existed for more than a month. For the most recent seven-day period, October 7th to 13th, Flathead County reported 548 new cases of COVID-19, well beyond the 375 needed for the restrictions to be put in place. The county is also at record high levels in three other data points, with 25 COVID patients currently hospitalized, more than 600 cases currently active in the county, and 23 deaths have been reported here. Other indicators within the health department are just as troubling, and the department said on Tuesday that they were, quote, unable to keep up 
with the current COVID-19 caseload and advised they might not be able to contact people who test positive for the virus within 24 hours, urging anyone who is notified by a healthcare provider or private testing company that they have tested positive to isolate for 10 days, and they recommend close contacts of those people quarantine for 14 days. You can read all these stories and even more COVID-19 coverage, including an update on the Blackfeet Indian Reservation's now extended stay-at-home order at flatheadbeacon.com. That's all for this week. Remember to subscribe to the show by searching for Flathead Beacon wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating and review if you're enjoying the show. And don't forget, you can read all the latest news from Northwest Montana for free at flatheadbeacon.com. Until next week, thanks for listening.